Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, 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 everybody. It's Holden back here again with The Sober Unicorn. Hope everybody's having a great day. If you are not having a good day, I do hope that it gets better. Uh, Today, we have a very unique and interesting guest with us. Um, we met via Instagram. I made a post looking for guests. He reached out and he's lucky. We are gracious enough to have him on the episode. It is midnight here in Texas. So I did have to stay up a little late, which is okay to get him on, but schedules allotted. We finally have you here. How are you doing, Drew? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I, I'm happy to be on. Of course. Thank you for taking the time because I know you've been traveling like crazy. Yeah. So, a lot. Which is good. I mean, hey, I've been traveling here and there too as much as money and time allows so why don't you kind of give everybody a little bit of insight of just like your name where you're from um and kind of like how long you've been sober sure so i uh so i'm drew valentino i am originally from new jersey i was there my whole life and up until um about a year and a half ago i moved to atlanta I was in Atlanta for a year and then in April moved to Los Angeles. I'm in West Hollywood, um, mostly because I do porn. <laughs> I do porn and OnlyFans, um, porn with uh, Falcon and Raging Stallion. And I also have been known to make like, you know, I, I do a lot of comedy. I do stand up comedy, but I also do lots of TikTok videos and Instagram reels and um, so, you know, people see this like funny side of me, they see this porn side of me, but, uh, and I recently announced on Instagram that I've, I've, I've been making posts that I've been sober and that's a side that people don't really know anything about. I haven't really talked publicly about it at all. Um, and the backstory, the short backstory is that I, um, had, I was on hard drugs when I was, um, from 15, I, I started doing like ecstasy and Coke and stuff. And then, um, and nobody knows this until now, but what at 17, I start I was introduced to heroin and I was actually a heroin addict from 17 to 20. And I had a traumatic event happen where, uh, my closest friend had overdosed at my house and I found him dead he was the first person I ever came out to. In fact, I came out to him that night. Um, I came out to him that night. And then the next morning I went to wake him up and he was dead. And, um, you know, that was just, that just turned my life upside down. And from that, I got sober. Uh, I, I was sober for, I mean, like sober, sober, counting the days sober, nothing, you know, for probably like five years. And then, um, and then for the next five years, you know, I, I would drink socially or maybe like smoke pot at like a concert or something. But the thing is, I just kind of never liked alcohol. I just don't love it. I do like the taste of wine with, you know, having a glass of wine with dinner or beer with dinner. So, um, just not really something I ever really had an issue with. And that's just me. Like, I don't know. Everybody's different. I have serious addiction problems and, but 
you know, alcohol just wasn't one of them. And like, so in the second half, basically, I, I feel like I, you know, I consider myself sober for 10 years, but sober off of hard drugs, sober off of everything for five years. So, you know, and then drinking socially, maybe a little pot here and there, never daily or anything like that um, for, for another five years. And um, I was really happy about that. I was really proud of it. And at the 10 year mark, I, I was 30 and I, well, I, I got introduced to the circuit culture and started going to circuit parties with friends and, you know, everybody's on so many drugs <laughs> and I just kind of felt like, you know what, when I was 20 or 17, I just didn't really have my life together yet. And so many people that don't have addiction problems, you know, use drugs recreationally without this big backlash in their life. You know, at least some people do. And I just kind of thought, you know what, my life's together. I have a house. I have a job. I have a dog. I go to CrossFit every day. And like, I'm, I have a whole community that, that supports me. And it's like, it kind of was like justifying, like, you know what? most people live their adult lives and experiment with drugs. And like, maybe I can too. Well, now that I have my life together, you know, and I, I do feel like that was a lot of just like justification. Um, I mean, there's some truth to that, but, but deep down inside, ultimately I am an addict. Like I was an addict then I still am now I have very addictive behavior and um, yeah, I have my life together more now, but that's I'm still an addict and still do not well with balance. And so basically in the circuit community, I got introduced to uh, G, you know, GHB and um, which is very prevalent in the circuit community. And it's basically like to anybody that's not familiar, it's essentially, it's like a, I call it alcohol B <laughs> like it's a different kind of it's like it's very similar to alcohol but um in my opinion in my opinion I, I feel like it's not as bad <laughs> because so if you like look into it it's actually like it has medicinal pur purposes in the in like hospitals and stuff and and I I just feel it just you know I've I've spent lots of my time with alcohol in my system I spent lots of time with G in my system. I've done too much of alcohol, too much of G. I've done the right amount. And it just over and over again, it just feels like, it just felt like G was like less toxic to the body. And I felt like I was more with it. Like, you know, alcohol, you like start to, the more you drink, the less you remember and less, you know, really inhibits you. I mean, it, it stops your inhibitions. Whereas I feel like the effect of G on that was not as much. So I, so that was why it was a problem because I felt like it was more manageable to, to use at parties and stuff, you know, and then it's, and it's just like, it just, um, I don't know. It just opened up the floodgates of like chaos because, you know, when you're constantly surrounded by party drugs, it just makes it very easy to slip up. And now it's like this gray area, you know, like I, I, I don't do well with gray areas. It's like, I need to be sober or 
or like I want to do everything. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I got, there was hard drugs around me and um, I feel like nothing is it not, not as addictive as like heroin or meth, but you know, it's still not good and leave it left me. I feel like chasing some other high, you know? So do you think that like being in the circuit party scene that you kind of had to do these substances in order to stay with it, with the friends and everything that you surrounded yourself with? Totally. Because I got a, you know, talk about having an addictive personality. The thing I got addicted to was not the drugs. It was the circuit party. Like when you, anybody that goes to a circuit party for their first time or the first few times and has a great time and loves it with party drugs involved. It's most, most people that do that and have a great time are like, when's the next one? I can't wait. I'm like, can't stop thinking about it. And that's how I was. And I just met somebody that just got into the circuit scene and that's his behavior his disposition is like, when's the next thing? I can't wait. Oh my God. That was so much fun. And, um, and the thing is, it's like, just, I don't know, just you, you go and you're up really, really late. And it's like, gee, kind of keeps you going. And, um, and you know, it's a lot of fun. It's funny because now I go to the circuit parties still sober, but I, there's like a bunch of reasons why I, I, I can do that. I could not have done that in the beginning. There's no, there's no way. It's definitely um, a lot harder than people think. Um, so of and, course, you were yeah. doing circuit parties, of course, using G and stuff. So at what point did you finally be like, okay, this needs to fully stop and let me go back to being sober, sober, with abstaining from everything? So to be completely honest, um, I I went really hard for one year just really kind of letting go and just doing whatever at these parties. So basically I kind of, there was a year, particularly last summer where I was just doing, you know, whatever. And it was very, um, it was just chaos. Like I look back at that, you know, what it was is that COVID ended like, well, I shouldn't say it ended, but COVID the restrictions really let up. And last summer was the first summer where all circuit parties were happening again and uh everybody booked everything and it kind of felt like like previously it was like you you chose a small handful of circuit parties over the course of like the summer where whereas last year i feel like everybody booked everything and then even if you didn't then you got so much fomo from seeing everybody at every party that you just booked whatever was left and i was going to a circuit party like every other weekend traveling for it and it was exhausting and with the drug use, like there was so much, um, like it was just so chaotic that when I look back at that summer, like it was not a good summer. Like it was just so many bad things that happened and just such a mess. And market days, which is in August in Chicago, I did the most. I did way too much. I felt awful the whole weekend. I barely remember some of the weekend. And because I ended up sleeping all like one full day of it. And like, it was just awful. And I come back and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And um, basically from market days to 
Atlanta Pride, which is a good like month and a half, I was like, I want to be completely sober. I want to, and that was the first, that was the very beginning of this was over a year ago. I was sober for a month and a half and I didn't want to deal with that chaos. And I, and then I started to notice after like a week or two that I started to feel like a million fucking bucks every day. I just was eating right, sleeping right, working out, and I just felt good. And and at some point, I was thinking, you know what? I'm not even chasing not feeling like shit anymore. Or I, I should say, I, I'm not even just trying to avoid not feeling like shit. I want to chase feeling good. Like, And that's how we're supposed to feel every day. You're supposed to feel good. The, we just forget that because you get so in a, even if you're not doing anything hard, like, even if you're just drinking, but every weekend and not during the week, but every weekend, like it takes, it takes more than just a few days for your body to bounce back. But if every weekend you go back to it, like you never stabilize to that feeling like a million bucks feeling that we're supposed to feel, you know? And like the, the analogy that I make is especially with the harder drugs, if you, let's say you get a cut on your arm and that's equivalent, that's in my analogy is like doing the party drugs. In the next few days, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. You can't stop thinking about it, right? And it's like feeling like shit after doing a bunch of party drugs. And then maybe like a week later, it will normalize enough where it doesn't hurt anymore. It's not destroying your day, but it's still there. Like as if a cut could crust over, you know, or scab over. It's uncomfortable, but it's not really distracting. And then after that goes away, you don't even notice it. Even if you feel it, you don't even notice it. But there's still a red mark there. And it's like, even though on the surface level, from your perspective, it feels like you're back to normal. You know, by looking at it, that not everything's really back to its right place yet. You know, and there's a mark that might take a whole month to go away. And I feel like it's the same thing with party drugs. It's like you do it, you feel like shit. It's slowly, you start to feel more normal, but even normal is not a million bucks. You know what I mean? And I feel like it takes a good two weeks of sobriety to feel for that real, for all the things to get right back into place, maybe more depending on what the drug is. And I started, my eyes started open to that. And I started to realize like, I want to feel the best I could possibly feel all the time. And it's so easy to go months or years without where, where you're doing party drugs every weekend, even if it's something light, like having a beer, you know, it's like, you, you aren't going to feel like a million bucks for another week, you know? And, and then if you do it again, it's like, what the hell, you know? And, I mean, with circuit yeah. parties, of course, and the industry that you work in, there is a, <clears throat> I think, a unspoken expectation of appearance standards and body standards. So do you mm. ever feel pressure from industry to use any drugs to either um, lengthen stamina or to be able to handle, uh, depending on what position you're in, handle the um, person your partner seeing? Or again, to do steroids or anything to maintain the body that you need, um, or that's kind of expected unspokenly within the um, circuit scene. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's um, all of that. <laughs> because with the, like, you know, 
Well, it's it's basically so okay. So basically, what we're d- d- targeting right now is three different things, right? Because there's there's dick beds, <laughs> right? Viagra and Cialis and stuff. That's what you're, yeah. So that um, that I I see a urologist who monitors my sexual health and my dick health essentially because I do porn, and he prescribes me Viagra and Cialis, but I talk to him you know he i asked him if if being on these things somewhat regularly can affect your you know libido or ability to get and stay hard later down the line and and like he says no as long as you are you know careful you know monitoring and it's you're not taking it all the time. well he even said even if you take it a lot it's cialis and viagra is not shown to show like a tolerance over time Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that it sounds like you're talking about is poppers. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know if that's what you're getting. Well, at, kind said- of, because there's okay. So, research that I've done many many years ago, after seeing certain um in certain um companies uh, videos, and I was like, how is the bottom handling this situation? Um, and due to my research, it was that they were actually putting heroin into the bottom's hole. Oh, so you mean it's like hard, harder drugs yeah. and stuff. Okay. I've never, I've never seen or felt pressure. For, I've never seen that. No. In fact, most studios by law can have to be really careful. Like if you said, I want to do poppers, you know, you can't you can't on set because you know it's one of those things where some studios might look the other way and then there's usually no consequences and nothing bad happens but on books like on on paper you can't they can't allow you to do poppers they they actually have lines and laws that you can't you can, if you have if i have cialis i'm not allowed to give it to my scene partner because uh, because it's not prescribed and then under this now that's not to say i i wouldn't like on the side, but I can't yeah. openly say, want to see Alice? You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, they're really careful with that. Studios are very, you know, by the book. You, I mean, I work, you know, the one I work for anyway, and I hear that most major ones are, are the same. Okay. So maybe it was just the studio that I was researching and maybe it may not be by the book because there's several lawsuits um, against them yeah. due to lo- longevity of, of rehab by their scenes and stuff by their um, actors. So that's, I mean, I, that's why I asked that question because I honestly felt that it was maybe a um, industry-wide thing of the um, pressure of usage of uh, narcotics. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 in my experience, no, but I only work, I'm exclusive for Falcon. So I only work with one studio and I would imagine that any major porn studio that has a reputable name um, knows that that would be a big mistake on their part, but you know, who's to say that that's not going on secretively too, you know what I mean? But there's definitely not pressure, but the thing is, so like porn is a really, um, can be a, um, a difficult field to be in, in terms of mental health. And one thing that, um, a, a porn star that I know that, um, talked to me about this before getting into it and he kind of debriefed me and he's been doing porn for years studio porn and he kind of explained to me that you have to be really cognizant about what you're doing and what you're okay with and what you're not okay with because the studio will you know there's lots of pressure 
for the scene to go well. And there's times where you're fucking and maybe you're a little uncomfortable for whatever reason, but you kind of just keep it to yourself because you don't want to disrupt. You don't want to ruin the porn. You don't want to stop the porn, the production, and you don't want to cause any inconvenience or something. And and he was kind of basically saying to me that you got to be really careful because it's like, if you, if you are not okay with something, but are just doing it anyway, because you feel pressured that over time that causes like micro traumas, you know, and like, that that's not okay. You have to be really adamant in the porn industry. If you're in the moment, you're just not comfortable or, or enjoying what's happening. You need, you know, you need to stand up for yourself. So with that being said, I can imagine that there probably are some people that based off of that pressure, um, even though the studio is not aware of it, might be using some illicit drug behind closed doors because they don't you know, they, they, they want the porn to go well, you know what I mean? There's all this Mm -hmm. unspoken pressure, you know, if you got to take a big dick and your solution is some drug to kind of cope with it, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if that's happening secretly, you know? Yeah. And as, I mean, then switching over to the, um, I call it the Adonis factor, which is like the uh, body expectation of maintaining a certain physique. Do you feel any pressure, um, whether it's yourself, industry, or parties or friends, that if you are to gain a little bit of weight, but you need to possibly do coke, meth, or anything to quickly pull the weight back? For me, the drug use has always been about feeling good, and it's never been functionally to lose weight or, you know, so for me personally, that's a no. Um, but I'm sure that that does exist, you know, in the porn industry. Yeah. But, well, I mean, yeah. I think that exists within any society. Actually. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be in the adult film industry to be like, oh, I need to lose 20 pounds. Like a week on math is going to fit right. me right up. <laughs> right. Leave um, me right up. <laughs> so, of course, now that you're you're sober, completely sober, going to parties, going to promotional events, um, and constantly kind of being around drinking and let's just we can just leave it as alcohol not even really party drugs but um, how do you abstain or, or put yourself in a comfortable situation yeah, that's a great question so first of all I realized I, I don't you know you said how long you've been sober I mentioned I was sober 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 for five years questionably sober for 10 but I never really talked about reason so I um, I got sober uh, it's, I want to say I'm 82 days sober. And, um, the truth is that going to these circuit parties is, has been a really big part of my life and a fun part of my life for the past two years. Not, not only, you know, not only do I enjoy it, but the, my, my friend group is all people in the circuit community. So it's not so easy for me to just say, Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, but you know, it's funny because most, you know, when I, when I announced or, or posted that I, that I've been the first post I put, I just mentioned that I was 50 days sober and I didn't really give much context and lots of people reached out, which was really nice friends, people I don't know, lots of people, you know, I think it created the mystery created this like sense of like, is everything okay? <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, I, lots of people, lots of friends, you know, text me, are, are you okay? Is everything okay? You know? And I appreciate that. But the thing is that um, I think that that makes sense. 
if you don't know about my history with heroin and that I was sober for 10 years, you wouldn't know that the, the you wouldn't without that context, right? It seems like maybe some heavy shit went down. Some heavy sh shit did go down 13 years ago. And now um, my, I, as I've been experimenting with, you know, partying, like nothing crazy traumatic happened, but I've been kind of, it was kind of a mess and I wanted it to end and I want that control and stability back. Um, but I have the 10 years under my belt. So me going to these circuit parties is kind of a unique situation where I can manage for a number of reasons. And I really don't think that it would be smart or doable for most people that don't have the 10 years under their belt to try. So for me, the reason why, the reason why it's been working for me is because, um, well, for one, so the, the, there's two big things that I get out of circuit that don't depend on drugs and it doesn't change now that I'm sober. So for one, I, I, you know, I mentioned I, I'm big on comedy and I do stand up. from the beginning, even when I was partying, like I love going to these circuit parties because it's a very sex-based environment, which is a great opportunity for me to be me. And just my, a lot of my comedy is based in sex. So something I love to do is just bounce around. Even when I was high on G, like I would just love being like silly and goofy and funny about sex. And, and like, like I would be like very theatrical, like on the floor, like sucking dick, dancing, like get up and make a quip about it. And like, it was fun, you know? And like, I, I enjoyed making people laugh and being this funny, exaggerated like circuit version of myself that was just so over the top and ridiculous. And the truth is I can still do that. Like I, I can still be funny and silly and ridiculous and, you know, at, in this sex based environment, I don't need to be high to do that. I've let something I learned, you know, and then also, you know, and you know, this might not be the healthiest thing, but I definitely also get a lot of validation at these parties because, um, you know, because of, because I do porn and be, people recognize me from TikTok or Twitter. And so I, I get lots of people that come up to me and introduce themselves and say, oh, I follow you on such and such, or I love your TikToks, or I love your standup. And it's like, that's a lot of fun for me. And I don't, need to be high for that. Like that's not something that changes because I'm sober. So I, I get a lot of satisfaction and, and um, validation from going to these parties that, and again, maybe, you know, the validation seeking behavior is not always the best for your mental health. But the thing is like, I can go, I can have fun. And, you know, with that 10 years of experience under my belt of being sober and how badly and I want to be sober, how determined I am to be sober, like I can be around, like I have not really had an issue. You know, I can understand going to these parties and think like, like, man, I really want to do drugs. I shouldn't, I'm not going to, but I really want, I don't even feel that way. I'm just like, don't want anything to do with the drugs. I'm really happy, really proud to be sober. And I'm just having a lot of fun and, you know. Um, so yeah. So two questions I have. <clears throat> so of course, 
we have talked about that you did not seek out a 12-step program or any recovery program itself. Mm-hmm. So do you think the way you were able to get sober um, without any assistance was being scared straight due to the trauma 13 years ago? 100%. Okay. 100%. It was because of this horrible, you know, and there's a lot more detail that I'm not going to go into now, but like that event single-handedly changed my life. And it was awful. And I, and I feel so terrible about what happened um, and for for what happened to him and him and his family and, and, you know, that, that got me sober. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I was scared straight, you know, the, the one, okay. So something that's really, this is probably the most important thing I probably have to say is that when this happened, I felt like my life had turned upside down and this was awful and there was no way I could recover from it. I felt like with all this going on, this is already going to be really, really difficult to make a life for myself between the trauma and the effects that happened, you know, like I had legal issues and all types of problems. And I was thinking it's going to be really, really difficult to bounce back from this. And that's if I'm perfect. Like if I am do everything I should possibly do, uh, it's going to be difficult. So I better at least be that. (laughs) Like, like I, I thought, I, st- I started, so when all this happened, I didn't go out. I didn't talk to my friends. I didn't do anything. I was in my home. I was a zombie for a year. And the f- only thing I really had was school. I wanted to be a teacher and I was going to school to be a teacher. And I was scared that like, because I've also been arrested three times <laughs> that like, if I keep doing these things, like, how am I ever going to, what if I go to school and then I get a degree and I can't get a job because of my history? So I was really set on school. I got, after that, I got straight A's, literally graduated with like 4.0. And um, I was so fixated on education. I was fixated. Then I started getting into fitness. I started, I started fixating on that. Then I wanted to try stand up. This was 10 years ago. And I, and I started going to comedy clubs and I, fixated on that. And I started to realize that, and this is like my, my best piece of wisdom in terms of sobriety is that addicts are the most powerful people in the world because we all, we all will stop at nothing to get what we want. And when what you want is drugs it just drives you to the ground. But when you can apply that determination towards positive things and life goals, no one can stop you. And I felt like in the 10 years that I was sober, or I should say off hard drugs, one by one, I came up with a goal and I nailed it over and over again. And I felt like the most powerful person in the world. And I want, like I said, I want to do stand up. I did stand up. I wanted to become a teacher. I became a teacher. Like I wanted to get into fitness. I started competing competitively in at CrossFit and I got straight A's in school. And it's, and it's like all these things I wanted to do. I did it. I decided I wanted to leave teaching and get a job for more money. And like, I went back to school, got another 4.0, got a job in the pharma industry. And that's what I do now during the day. And like, 
that, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm like, you know what, I kind of want that power back. That's why I decided to get sober again. You know, it was just, it's not necessarily this horrible, you know, horrible traumatic thing that happened to me a few months ago. It's just like, I just missed that power and stability, you know? Um, and yeah, like that's, that's definitely my, that's my advice to anybody that's, well, whether you're just getting sober or been sober, you know, it's really just take that addiction and make it work for you instead of against you, you know? Mm -hmm. So go, of course the, the other question I had was you go to circuit parties now sober and, and other events, just not even circuit parties, just parties. Nonetheless, um, you probably still have friends that are actively using mm -hmm. or drinking. I mean, um, do you always have an escape plan? Yeah. So there's definitely a few. Okay. So first of all, I had mentioned a year ago when after market days, I was like, okay, enough's enough. So I, I actually, I got a little distracted. So I was sober for a month and a half, but then after that, um, I broke the sobriety. I mean, I wasn't planning to be sober, sober forever, but I was sober for a bit. And then after that, I said, I need to reel it in. And for the last year I've done considerably less partying. I've been go I was going to less parties and then doing less at the parties. And it was an improvement. But I am still an addict and like it still came with so much chaos and just this whole game of like, oh, I want to do enough to feel good at the party, but not enough that I'm upset with myself. It just became this mental mind fuck that just was not good for my mental health. And but I did reel it in successfully. And I felt like one of the things I, I thought about and realized was that, you know, there's times like let's, whether you're drinking or on G or whatever, there's times where you've had a few drinks or a few doses of G, you know, you're not sober, but you kind of feel sober because you've been partying for two, three hours. You feel sober, but you know, you're not. I rec I thought to myself at one point, I need to recognize when that's happening and learn to be okay with that and learn to that it's okay to be at a party and start to sober up a little bit and you don't need to go get fucked up, you know? So I think that with a year, I've had a year under my belt of doing considerably less of everything and feeling much more sober. So I feel like I didn't just start going to circuit parties completely sober out of nowhere. It was like, I kind of ease into it over the course of a year. And that's really the only thing that's really made it possible. And I think that there's, um, there's two main concerns or issues that come with it. One, there's times where I'm okay with being with my sobriety. I'm okay being sober, but I know that nobody else is. So it, I find that I myself a little bit more irritable when people are bumping into me and they're all sweaty and like they're high as hell, completely unaware. And, um, you know, so that's been, that's definitely taken some getting used to. And the other thing is the energy level. You know, there's times where like I'm tired and I just got there and it's midnight <laughs> and it's like, I'm, I'm tired and I'm already not having the greatest time. And it's like, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, I want to get high, but it's just like, how am I going to have the energy to stay at this party? And I tried, um, Red Bull. I, tr I tried. That's what all the sober people do. They just chain chug sugar-free Red Bulls. I 
I try to go that route and I've learned that that doesn't really work for me. I, because what happens is it gives me energy for about a half hour and then I start crashing hard and I start yawning uncontrollably to the point where my eyes are watering. I've learned the best thing to do is to have coffee before. And that's, and then the other, and, and the, that's it. And the, the other thing is that just, I just got to accept that like when I'm tired, it's time to go. I'm sober, but I'm not going to be there past two. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'll go, I'll have fun. I'm not staying past two. And that's the difference is that you, you know, you can still go to the party and have a good time, but that's, but then just not stay out till five, you know, like I, I just, that was the most shocking thing for me is when in, in my addiction, especially drinking, because drinking was my main thing um, that I could be at the bar till two and then prepay drinks because I knew the owner and be oh, there till yeah. four or five. And yeah. then the bartender is like, okay, we've cleaned up. Let's go. I'm like finishing my last shots and go to an after party and stuff like that. And now that I'm sober, I'm just like, it's like 10 PM. Right. Like, right. Okay, yeah. girl, time to get dressed. And yeah, I'm like, how did I, how did I stay out so late? Especially drinking where it's something that brings you down and mm. eventually, of course, tires you out. But Right. Yeah. My, so my mantra to myself uh, as I've been going to these parties sober is I'd rather this than that. Meaning that when I'm not having a 10 out of 10 time like I used to, or I'm a little tired, you know what? That's not great. You wish you would have the best time. You wish you weren't tired. I would so much though rather deal with being a little tired or having and having a mediocre time than becoming the train wreck that I would become, you know, from using like, you know, and that's why every time somebody bumps into me and they're drenched in sweat and didn't even know they did it and knocked the drink out of my hands and I'm tired. I'm just like, you know what? I would rather just deal with this then do lord knows what party drug you know what i mean the like, good thing is the drink that knocking out of your hand is now a, a bottle of water or yeah it's a water yeah of, not not a 13 dollar um, alcohol right. beverage yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so before yeah. we bring the episode to a close um is there anything that you haven't shared with everybody that you would like to um no, I, I feel like I covered all the main things that have kind of been, you know, on my mind. Well, you know, the, the one thing I also want to say is I think it's interesting how even though I've been sober uh, and going to these parties, it's funny how like the next, you know, talk about chasing like feeling good from sobriety. I feel like it's funny how I I'll stay up all night and caffeinated, no drugs. I still feel like shit for a day or two. It's much easier to bounce back. But my point is I'm starting to reevaluate and thinking like, okay, this is working for me, but I want to do less parties even without the drugs. Like I, I just am accepting the fact that it's okay to pull back and do a lot less, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, so exactly. But, yeah. One, one thing I was going to mention, I forgot to earlier was you say that you shared a post on Instagram um, that you were 50 days sober and that you had people reach out. The thing is, with the industry that you work in, and especially with um, the depending on which Instagram it was, that when you portray yourself as this 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 sexual being, people forget that you're a human mm -hmm. with struggles mm -hmm. of right. possible addiction and mental health. And so, 
when you are vulnerable like that and share your story and share your struggles, people that are watching you and looking up to you or um, that could share the same struggle could benefit from that. And so totally. I think it's amazing that you shared that on your um, Instagram. 50 Days Sober is a lot of sobriety um, considering like most previous guests said some people can't get even 24 hours or don't mm -hmm. even have the opportunity to obtain that. So it's great that you are willing to try, of course, portray your 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 adult industry lifestyle as well as making sure that people realize that you are still a human with the same struggles that other people have. Right, right. And that's the thing. And that's kind of why I want to share my story is because the, you know, I met a few people in the industry a year plus ago that are completely sober. You know, Bo Butler is counting the days sober. You know, and there's several others. And like, if I didn't hear that, like that's what hearing that's what planted the seed. You know, if I didn't hear that, I don't think I would have even considered this as an option. And so that's why it's important for me to share that, you know. Exactly. So if anybody is like resonated with your story or maybe they're just interested in seeing your dingling on video, um, <laughs> how um, how can they reach out to you or find you via social media? Yeah. So basically I am um, most, I'm, I'm mostly uh, on Drew Valentino XL uh, on Twitter and OnlyFans and um, really if you, and on Instagram too is my professional Instagram. And then Drewcy Fruit, like the gum um, is my Instagram and my TikTok, my, my personal Instagram and my TikTok. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Drew for joining us yeah. today. And now that it's um, like 11 o'clock your time, I hope you get some sleep before yeah. work tomorrow. <laughs> Same. Me too. Awesome. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober-owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober-owned. And remember everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.